<laughs> Ignore that. <laughs> this really gets you in the mood, man. <laughs> Can only imagine. Absolutely. Hello, everybody. It's your old friends at Monday Madness, and welcome to another episode of the Liquid Football Podcast. Woo! Okay, so it's uh, it's the new season, new podcast, new structure, new format. We're actually trying this, trying to make this a streamlined show. After what, three, four years of podcasting, finally we're gonna give it a cook and throw. shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. This is the final model. We've got it now. We've locked <laughs> it down. We've established what we need to do. Um, I'm joined as always by Neil. Um, unfortunately, Burkwa couldn't make it this time. She's too busy uh, uh, hunting. Because we're back in level three. <laughs> yes, it's, it's time for more TNA lockdown, ladies and gentlemen. You love to see it. Fucking hell, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, it's, it's it's almost as if this is inevitable or something. It's funny how it works. But um, <laughs> who could have seen this coming? Who could have seen this coming? But hey, we got football now, so we're actually entertained for this lockdown, which is good. Which means we should technically stay indoors more. You know. Yes. So in the, in theory, I should say, because um, <laughs> if you all know, everything works in theory. Uh, so yes, unfortunately, it's only a two-man podcast uh, this week. Uh, unfortunately, Burkbot couldn't uh, join us tonight. She had some uh, elephant-related business to deal with, so uh, we'll just leave her at it for the time being. Mm-hmm. Uh, but otherwise, Neil, have you enjoyed our first match day of football? I fucking did. I really, really, really fucking did. Yep. Um, lots happened with Arsenal this week. Um, and yeah, no, it was great. 3-0 Tonking of Fulham. Uh, Aubameyang finally signed that thing. Yes, it's actually. Do you know what? For the two, for the both of us, it has been a fucking great week for the parish. It has been a mad week. It's been fucking crazy. Like it's gas. Like because uh, we've got like because uh, I've spoken at length at how Liverpool Twitter was cannibalizing itself for a long time, <laughs> and then suddenly today, like prayers have been answered tenfold. Because oh yeah, like you've gotten them, and you're getting all the fucking you're getting dessert as well with um, <laughs> potentially getting Jota. Wow, I yeah. Admit, now, a friend of mine constantly retweets a load of um, Manchester United Twitter. I'd say they are fucking going because cr- they were going mental anyway. They were going batshit, mm. and I think their only kind of ballast, well, psychically ballast, was the fact that Liverpool weren't doing anything either. Yeah. Now we've gone from doing fuck all to of signing. Tiago Alcantara and Diego Jota. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't mind much, but it's the fact that like all the targets that they have had are not happening. Like yeah, no, nobody. Would. literally like, just got that Van de Beek guy. He's pretty good. He's good. Yeah, he, I like he's him. Yeah. enough player. Hmm. But um, they didn't really need him. You know, they had Fernandez. That's what he got Fernandez. Yeah, because oh, of the players. Buff. Exactly, mm. I was looking him up and I was kind of going, hang on, this guy plays the exact same position for Nandes. What the fuck are they doing? <laughs> it's funny. It, it, it's funny because, like, uh, I think it's been a theme of, this, of the round where, like, or the window, that they just no one can sign defenders, so they decided not to bother and just sign attackers. Well, they, can, the they can't sign defenders because Arsenal have signed all of them. Yeah, well done, um, by the way. You, that, was a, that was a cunning strategy. A very cunning strategy. Now, um, we call it the Chelsea Ah, of course. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's been crazy. Um, yeah. 
So, yeah, no, no, it's fantastic. So do, do you want to get into the match rundown now? Then yes, we'll I, I think we'll have to. It's time for us to do our first Premier League rundown of the season. Woo-hoo. First Premier League rundown of the season of hell. Indeed. The year of hell, if you will. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> oh, me. That's longer than a year now. <laughs> it feels longer than a year. Yeah, that's it. Like, it just feels, it's going to feel longer and it's just not going to get worse. <laughs> You know, you get better from here, lads. The cap for the head in your desk, what more did you want? Absolutely, yeah. When you've set the bar this low, you can really say things can only get better. I don't think it's shit no more. I think it is exactly. shit no worse. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, for the full cards. What anime did you pillage that uh, track from? <laughs> It's, a, it's an anime called Gladiators. Um, Fucking it, it is actually an anime. Jesus, I'm sinking guess there. Is there like, a, there's um, prominent voice actors Ian Wright and Ulrika Johnson. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, so uh, as is tradition, we're going to run, go through the, uh, the matches that have happened the last uh, week. But obviously we're doing it weekly now, so we only have one set to go through, which will make this quicker. And we're going to just streamline a little bit, so we're not going to give much attention to like the more uh, obscure matches at the weekend. We're going to focus on the matches that we found the most interesting. So, well, actually, to be honest with you, that, that, that'll be quite easy this, with this game week because it was pretty much just, it just alternated between matches that were just batshit insane mm. and matches that were fucking like the yeah. cure for insomnia. It really, it really like catered to our new set of setup where we had like five really boring did. matches and five. It's interesting like they've been matches. listening. It is. It's good. You know, I'm glad. I'm glad someone has got our feedback. I have to say. Yeah. And, and Somebody's more, got not, our back. Yeah. Look, Roy Hodgson's going like, lads, I got you. I got you, lads. Right. One nil. That's all. I got. That's it. Um, so yes, we didn't have two matches that took place because uh, uh, the Manchester clubs needed a little needed a lie on. Um, so mm-hmm. we didn't get Man City Burnley or we didn't get Aston Villa Man United. Uh, there when we played during the season. So actually, Man City and United start off the seasons uh, tomorrow, as a matter of fact. Man City have got Wolves. No pressure, lads. Um, and I can't recall offhand who United have, but I believe, I think it was West... No, it's not West Brom. I'm wrong. But anyway, they, they are, they're kicking off... Uh, Fuck, I, don't know Man- I don't know who Manchester United are playing either. We really, we really yeah. should have looked this up before the podcast started, to be <laughs> honest. I just, I just would have figured I'd have known it. Shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they've Crystal Palace. They've Crystal Palace. Palace. There we go. Thank they've you. Palace. Thanks for <laughs> saving our blushes there. Fucking hell. Um, but yeah. Hopefully, it, the uh, my microphone won't pick up my furious mic uh, mouse clicking. <laughs> shit, 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 shit. <laughs> yes, stalling for time. Stalling for time. Um, so yes, the matches that did happen though, we will start uh, talking about, if you will, Crystal Palace versus Southampton, which ended as a one 0 win to Palace, which was. I'm surprised, really, considering how awful they were um, last season, if you want to call it that. Absolutely. Um, Goal in, what, the 12th minute by Zaha, of all people. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's... it. Funnily enough, it was quite end-to-end, considering mm. that it was, like, it only ended 1-0. Like, it's, it's, the amazing thing about this match was that it ended 1-0. Yeah. Because, literally, like, like Kuwaita kept fucking um, Palace in it didn't he yeah yeah he really fucking did I mean he made he made two two in particular made two fucking incredible saves mm. um, 
So it was brilliant. Like at at times, like Southampton had literally just camped out around the edge of the fucking Palace box. <laughs> I remember a couple of the freeze frames because I watched the match of the day. Um, I think only only a handful of the frames that they were looking at didn't have like four or five Southampton players around the Palace box. There were more Southampton players than there were Palace defenders. Yeah, no, a, I a believe lot that. Of times, mm. which kind of says a lot less about Southampton that they weren't able to score with such an overwhelming uh, numbers advantage at times. When Palace had such a massive injury crisis as well because they don't have like their first choice fullbacks or centre-backs. Like They had a makeshift defence and they had a youngster in as a fullback, Tyrick Mitchell, who apparently did fucking incredibly well by all accounts. And Palace just seemed to be able to manifest a player whenever they need it. It's kind of funny that way. There's also another guy, uh, Smallbone. That's uh, Southampton. Small Southampton, yeah. that's Southampton. Uh, you have yeah. a lot of hopes on him now, which which is good news for us because he's Irish. So Irish. William Smallbone. Ah, uh, William like, Smallbone, yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Poor bastard. He's, uh, what, he's, he's fucking, he's 19, isn't he? 19, yeah, and he plays yeah, in the 19, pocket. Yeah. He plays in the pocket in midfield, you know. He's a, yeah, I think everyone has commonly known him in Southampton as the next Stephen Davis. Yeah, he was, really, he was playing quite narrow. He was playing sort of... Uh, I think the the term is kind of in the channel. He was yes. narrow. He was right in there. So a really odd looking four two three one from Southampton. But yeah, you know, fair play the Palace. They fucking stuck it in, grounded out with twenty nine percent possession. Excellent. That is a Roy Hodgson performance if I've ever heard it. Fucking love to see it. Tony Pulis was looking on with pride. And <laughs> speaking That's of, it, and uh, he made two subs. Yeah, fucking two twenty nine percent made two subs. Didn't even Literally. use all of the subs, you know. <laughs> fuck. Excellent. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so it's play. I mean, Southampton. If I were looking at Southampton, I'd be like, this wasn't even there. It wasn't like, oh, it was eleven men behind the ball. That's why we weren't able to score. Mm. <laughs> like Palace did. Like Palace quite frequently did not have eleven men behind the ball. No, no, quite that Palace was it. Quite frequently did not have the men who were meant to be defined behind the ball behind the fucking ball, <laughs> and they still didn't manage to score. So. I'd be quite nervous if I was Southampton. Well, we'll see. Like, like first week jitters and all that, you know. Maybe it's like Ainsley can only, as you said, Ainsley can only get better. So, uh, in that sense, oh, you can't really, Christ. you can't, uh, you can't really go wrong that. with that. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I timed it. So, um, moving on. Then we were talking about Tony Pulis there. Let's go back to his old haunt. Uh, West Brom celebrated their return to the Premier League by getting tongued three 0 by Leicester. Uh, this is not a shocker, really, is it? Like West Brom, they were way off pace. Like. Ah, not really. I suppose like the it, it threw up some quite interesting stats in that Jamie Vardy managed to walk away with like the man of the match award and two goals despite not having a single shot on target. Yeah, like he was but, like, penalty way off count. the pace. Like <laughs> it's so bizarre. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, no, it was just it was fucking mad. Uh, two massively like avoidable penalties. Like they just mm. did not need to do this. Like you were lucky. You, you look at this game and you're going, "What are you doing, that lads? Come on." Yeah. What the fuck? And um, so, yeah, like... But within, like, about 10 minutes of each other. So it was mm. like... It's not as if one at each end of the match. They were like... And she hang on, wait a minute. Yeah, 74 I mean, and 84. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, like, that was the thing, like... like well, apparently West Brom, like, started relatively well, but they would just start... They just couldn't... They didn't have anything. And that's kind of going to be the theme of their season, really. It's just that, like, they might have a, a good, like spirit and they might be able to work together quite well but they're just lacking in class they're lacking in that like that 
X factor that you need in the Premier League. Pereira is supposed to be that, but whether he can do it enough is is the question. I don't think he can personally. I think you need to invest a lot of money in that squad for it to float. And I suppose from Romy's point of view, is it actually worth it? Just cashing on the fucking parachute payments to be easier. Yeah, um, it looks like they're it looks like they're already fighting for survival. Yeah, exactly. Uh, moving on then uh, was a uh, speaking of survival. Uh, West Ham Newcastle ended as a two 0 win to Newcastle. Two new signings doing the job for Newcastle. Will, Will Callum Wilson achieving his boyhood dream, which was the score for Newcastle with a four inch tap four four year tap in with a high boot, uh, which is great. And then uh, Jimi Hendrix showing him how it's done with an outside the foot shot, beating the keeper on his near side. Fucking love yeah. to see it. It was it, it was pure you love to see it mm. um yeah like the the writings i think we were saying this the other day when we were doing our predictions i mean like west ham it's not were, a happy they were a club in, they were a club in crisis before a ball was kicked yes. now that a ball has been kicked they're definitely in, in crisis they are fucking like i was i watched this with a hammer supporter that i know mm. in one of my rare rare jaunts to a pub uh, which I won't get to do anymore. Can't they do it anymore? And, um, so yeah, and holy fucking shit, they were terrible. Yeah. Despite actually matching like Newcastle, um, I think, like I think in terms of like goal attempts, they were pretty much even. Um, and there wasn't whole a whole lot that uh, that in it with regards to possession. Mm-hmm. But uh, fuck me, like it was hammer garbage. They were absolute fucking garbage. Like. But in a way, it tells a quite an interesting story because out of those two teams, like the two teams kind of needed the same thing, which was new blood. They wanted new signings to, to fix the problems they had in, well, the, in the team. Well, West Ham will get a lot of blood. I mean, if they play like this, like any most of their supporters will be bleeding out of their fucking eyes. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, I don't think that helps with the squad terrible. balance, though. That's the thing. It's real fuck me. It's terrible. Yeah. But like, and like I said, that's, that's the story, really, because like Newcastle... They addressed whatever shortcomings they have in the squad. Granted, they 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 could probably do with more money, but for the for the, what they've done, the business is fantastic. They've signed <laughs> the sure they like a, a big lunch of relegation rejects, you know. <laughs> hey, they're going cheap, like you know, and they're going cheap, and they can be resold on. Like that's yeah, they go they're going cheap, but literally nobody wanted them. Like, yeah, so happy days. No, that's fine. Take take whatever. I, you I love get, Steve like. Bruce turning uh, Newcastle into the, the dirty fucking dozen. <laughs> that was his plan all along. It was to get the get the boys together, you know. Just get them all. Get them Absolutely. All the same thing, you know. It's great. But um, yeah, no, I know it's a, I know it's like first game week, so I like jump at the conclusions. But fuck it, let's do it because it's the only way I'm going to lose weight mm-hmm. over the course of this lockdown. Um, I reckon West Ham have the next Sunderland written all over them. Yeah, it seems to be the kind of curse on Wisey really at this point, isn't it? Um. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Like, they, they could recover for the next match, but they have against Arsenal. No, forget about that. No, they're dead. They're, they're, they're <laughs> that's that's the thing. The reason why I, I, I watched this purely because I, we were playing them next, and I was like, oh, you know, I'll do a bit of recon, you know? And uh, Scout from Bielsa style, yeah. <laughs> fuck. I was just laughing my arse off. I was hanging on mute this. Mm. But uh, it was just fucking, I was pissing myself laughing. I was going, holy shit. If they, if they play like this, we are going to fucking cut them to ribbons. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but, I mean, yeah, like... If, that's, that's, we can only hope as well because it's, it's good banter for the podcast as well, you know. 
oh, it'll be just hilarious, man. Like if Callum Wilson, Jeff Hendrick, and even Andy Carroll had a great game. He fucking uh, played brilliantly. He was a great game. He had a fucking fantastic game. You're thinking, right, if they're going to have things, how do you think fucking uh, Alexander Fabian, Lacazette, Lacazette, Pepe, Pepe, and Fabian, William's going to, what do you think they're going to do with the, the defense that's static? They're literally going to stand there going, guys, you, like, do you have a bet on? <laughs> this, is, this isn't <laughs> fun anymore. I just feel like I'm bullying people now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Th- thankfully, it won't be the Arsenal. It won't be the Arsenal women. Won't be the only uh, team racking up nine fucking nil scoreline, nine one scorelines. One can all, I, all I care for as a team sheet is a, is a clean sheet because I got Tierney as captain, so I don't give a fuck otherwise. You can go no Tierney as the captain. I do. Yeah. Yeah. You motherfucker. And I'll tell you why. Because like, I, oh right, thing about my fantasy football team is I already fucked it up this season. Because yeah. I know I, had, I, I, I played my free hit already and I've like radically changed my team. I was like, oh I'm not, my God. Not, not even that. I love my team. My team is, is pretty decent. I'm going to make changes on the fly though. But th- my problem is that I've got Salah and Trent as my two Liverpool players at the minute. Oh, um, Trent had a terrible first game week. Funny you should mention that, Neil. I had Trent captain instead of Salah. So fucking thanks for that. <laughs> you fucking fu- I had a Babian captain now. So like, nah. I had Salah as my voice. And I was like, oh, all right, mm. fine. Could have been but, better. Uh, Could yeah, been better. I had the stakes remained. Oh, Jesus Christ. He didn't, <laughs> he didn't even get an assist. He didn't even get an Oh, it was all Robertson. You all Robbo, yeah. Yeah. Fucking So, anyway, uh, moving on then, uh, before I start lamenting my team. Um, overlapping <laughs> centre backs. <laughs> overlapping centre backs beaten in six minutes, Neil, by Wolves. 2 0. Is this second season syndrome in effect, or are we all just. <laughs> Well, um, considering actually yesterday they were beaten by Burnley 6-5 on penalties in the Indeed. Carabao Cup. So Sheffield are out of the cup as well. Mm. Um, shock horror. They're going to be devastated at that. I, I, I don't know. No, I don't. Uh, Wolves are really good. Um, yeah. I think we all had Wolves pushing for top four. Um, if you got them of Jota, probably not. They, but, I think um, they'll get away with it. They, like I said, they got Podence in in January. They gave him, they gave him time to bet in. They got Fabio yeah. Silva in. I think they are well covered when it comes to, to, to strikers. I didn't. Now, that's not to say Jota was going to be four choice, but if you're going to have those two hot shots in, it, it it's hard to justify having, having Jota in front of them. Having him now kind of do the same role with Liverpool, I think, makes sense now. So, um because he's going to be a fantastic backup for for, for Mane and, and Salah, really. Because he can play, he can play yeah, all around the front three. So it's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no. I don't, I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think it's second season syndrome. I really no. don't. Um, it's just, they just had a bad start. Got caught cold. Yeah, that was it. Really. Um, and Ramsden just, in particular got caught cold. Pretty much. And, and just this Wolves team is not a team you go 2-0 down to in the first six minutes and expect, mm. oh, I think we could salvage a point out of this. No, you fucking can't, pal. Um, <laughs> this is it, like. That's it. I mean, like, 2-0 two, two up after six minutes, Sheffield kind of knew that they couldn't get into it. And mm. Wolves knew that they knew that they couldn't get into it. Yeah, yeah. So they're like, okay then. We'll just keep you it know, yeah, well, it was petered out. Although I will say one thing: like Sheffield will want to crack, get that flakiness out of their play. I think so. Yeah, I think that's coming. Those two goals, like right, then fine. You can make the excuse about being caught cold, but you can't just can't do that. You just cannot mm. defend that vapidly. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely. Just, I I don't think it's second in the syndrome, but 
it's shown up. It's good to be shown the problems that you have early on so you can correct them. I think you know? so, yeah. yeah. Like, if this happened in the middle of the season and they suddenly started kind of don't falling down, you'd have concerns. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. That's so, it. yeah. Uh, a, nightmare, a nightmare start, but I don't think too many people will have any issues with the overall performance, if you get me. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. There's nothing, I don't think there's anything to worry about just yet. I, I, besides, like, as we've seen from other games, there are far worse teams in the league. So, oh, even, if you're shit, ha- yes. even if you're shitting yourself, like, believe me, there's three or four teams that's doing far worse than you are. So, you're grand. <laughs> um, yes. You've you know, already done two or three of them. Uh. Indeed, indeed. Uh, moving on then to uh, the game that was on Monday night, which was Brighton and Chelsea. Uh, ended up as a 3-1 win to Chelsea, but it was a fairly even game, I have to say. I watched it myself, and Chelsea were, they were good value for that 3-1 win, I'll be honest. Um, a lot of it was about... Havertz and Werner uh, debuting. Didn't see much of them. I'll be I'll be honest. Havertz was was fairly anonymous again. Granted, no. Uh, I'll off, say one but... thing. Yeah, Werner tried to get stuck in and do his bit, but it, it's very obvious that the Premier League is not. He's not clicked into the Premier League the way he. It's obvious not. It's not run the way he thought he was. He's like holy shit. But Havertz was totally anonymous. Yeah. There was no, there was nothing of him. The entire fucking. Mm. Um the entire game, like, he was fucking anonymous, like, I, I just, I was getting endless pings on Facebook from my mates, who'd all had him in their fantasy football teams, and they were all going fucking crazy, they're like, I can't yeah. even see the fucker on the pitch, um, <laughs> but he, he, he just, like, one little flick on the halfway yeah. line or something like that, which is, uh, actually, ironically enough, it was to Werner, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, yeah, I did he get subbed off? I can't even remember if he got subbed off. <laughs> he got subbed off, all right. Yeah, he got subbed off for um, Hudson Adoy, I want to say. But yeah, he, he, did, he, did, he did make last night anyway. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's it. I mean, like, for, all the, for all the excitement about Werner and Havertz, it was Rhys James who pretty much lit them up. Yeah, it did. That was a fucking brilliant goal. Yeah. <clears throat> but again, another, again it, was a, it was another try, kind of <clears throat> telling performance from Kepa, though, because... Uh, yeah, like the, the penalty was 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 very well justified with the with the foul, but the Trossard goal was so precise and so good. But Kepa should have saved it. You know, like you 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 know yourself, like you you mentioned at the time, he was like saving above the ball. You know, like yeah. he misjudged the height of it. And like, okay, it's a little he, bit out. It's an angle, but you should be able to judge where it's going to land. He, yeah, he dove. He pretty much dove over the ball. Yeah. and I was just going, what? <laughs> like I, I watch a fair amount of like Sunday League and the, like Irish League of Ireland games, and I've never seen. I don't. I don't <laughs> I've not yet seen a keeper do that recently. Like it, it's been a while since I've seen somebody do that, mm. and that's terrible. I, I couldn't that get is, over the apologists really... for it. Like they, they, they really did like try and defend him by saying like, "Oh well, he was unsighted. Like he couldn't see it. It was outside the box." Like. That, that ball's coming in. You can see that it's it, it, it's a strike in. It's going parallel to the goal. You should be able to save that. That is literally what you're doing in your training drills. And if you can't do that, then, like, what the fuck are you doing in between the sticks? Yeah, no. It, I think... I think certain parts of Chelsea have moved... Have, they, they're on the version 2.0, so they've mm-hmm. moved on. They've evolved, for lack of a better term. But um, there are... Good, a few good few parts of Chelsea that are, you know, it's still the same as the last season. Yes, and uh, the f- defense yeah. again. Like, how the fuck can you go through an entire 
back four like that and not be able to head a ball or to organise a corner. It's bizarre. I can't understand it. Yeah, I mean, Christensen was kind of solid enough. Um, but, like, he, he, he's, he's going to need a lot more very good games to make up for the abysmal last season he had. Mm-hmm. He, he was terrible last season. Um, but uh, ah, it was just... It, it, I think they were they were a team that were more focused on like they got the shit together on the step pieces better because yeah. it just seemed like they're like the step piece oh the free kick shit shit well we absolutely have to get this done Frank is watching Frank is watching we're gonna get dropped we're gonna get dropped you know <laughs> um I did say one thing like yeah I like I did like the look of the Brighton side I won't say that they looked very, very good very good, very good. Yeah. and their goal definitely sliced at least five million off Kepa's price I reckon. <laughs> Um, that, can they just take a year off his contract? Is that how it works? <laughs> oh, they would so like, like that. It's like a <laughs> penalty system, like yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, that's it. I, yeah. I, I will say one thing: Werner is a lot quicker than I thought he was. I mean, like, I remember watching some um, YouTube clips when they initially signed him, and I was like, mm, he's got a fair decent turn of pace. Hmm. But uh, there was one kind of. He, there was one kind of sprint. It, it kind of almost made it's like a game of FIFA where somebody's just held down the sprint button. Yeah. <laughs> and he just pegged it. I think it was from the halfway line and he just absolutely ghosted past the fullback and was just going, holy shit. And the fullback had like about five yards on him. Yeah. Still absolutely thundered past him. I was going, Jesus Christ. That guy's fucking fat. He's really fast. Yeah. So I was, I was surprised. <clears throat> like and he, well done, Reese James. I'm like, holy shit, what a strike. Great strike. Absolutely great strike. And, um, but on Werner, like he is a very complete forward, and that's kind of why <clears throat> what I saw him that way because he's so like he's complete in every way. So like he is a good runner, he's a good header, he's a good finisher, makes good runs, adaptable. Like he can play out wide as well. So he's he, he's exactly like you can do anything with him, which is obviously why we were so keen on getting him. But at the same time, like we couldn't give him the game time he needed. Needed. So it kind of like it was right that he kind of went somewhere else. And um, I'm I'm, I'm back. Ah, yeah, I know, but you know, would have been Munich would have been nicer, <laughs> I suppose. But um, but even then, like I, I, I'd like to see how he does with the supply he gets because we haven't seen the full final form of Chelsea just yet, striking wise. Like they're still waiting for Zayek and Pulisic to come fit. Uh, Thiago is is building up his fitness as well, and by all accounts, they still got like one or two additions possibly on the way in. I'd be interested to see what the final form of Chelsea looks like, but I think it's still gonna be like how our preview went, which is was they have a great, good, strong up front, but a very soft core. And it's that soft core you can get at, you know? Yeah, so, absolutely. It'd be interesting I mean, to see. I guess, you can get at that soft core because of the uh, advanced attackers, because mm-hmm. not a whole lot of them really have a lot of defensive news, you know? No. Like, and I actually, actually they're see. told not to defend either. Like, they, they, they're not defending. Yeah, it, it depends. I'm not, obviously, I'm not. I'm not deep into the Chelsea tactics or how they're being coached. But I don't, uh, yeah, I don't think Werner will be told, oh, you track back, back to the halfway line and help the midfield. I don't think he's going to be told that a lot. I highly doubt it. Um, which is, it's also why I'm kind of interested in how our game's going to go on Sunday, Liverpool-Chelsea, because obviously we'll have Havertz and, and Werner. In a way, the, the fixture has been very generous to us because I wouldn't have wanted to, to face them when they had the front four all clicking. We're facing yeah. them at the right time. And especially at Stamford Bridge as well as much as home advantage matters nowadays. But, like, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we're facing them now, considering how flaky we were 
against Leeds. So. Oh, absolutely, yeah, definitely. I was thinking, I was thinking the same as well. I was like, yeah, if you're gonna play them, gonna play them now, you know. Yeah, exactly. So very generous uh, fixture list at the minute. And <clears throat> move on to into our top three uh, games that we're going to talk about. The first one is going to be the uh, the footballing classic, I believe, is now called, which is Spurs versus Everton. <laughs> um, tactical. Um, quandary I think maybe the best way to describe this um, Everton obviously had the all new midfield like did you just like just changed their hand and got a new one um, and it worked and it very, worked very fucking well it had to be said uh, I, I, I'm not sure about this myself right because obviously James looked really good Alan looked really good and Andre Gomez after the troubles he had with injury seemed to kind of pick up a good bit too but again I think of them going like they're playing against Spurs they were playing against the Spurs who seemingly had no idea. See, the thing here's the thing about it, right? And funny enough, actually, I read a, a really good tweet about this match, which was if a few years ago you'd have said to me that the first game in Premier League, in, sorry, the first game in the Premier League to pit two World Cup Golden Boot winners against one another mm-hmm. would be Spurs v Everton, you'd have been laughed out of the room. <laughs> and uh, I was like, it, it, oh, yeah, you know, but um. Here's the funny thing, right? Lots have been said about how Everton played. Um, and they did play well. And yeah, Spurs were shite. Like, they were fucking stinking hot garbage. Mm. But, like, all Everton really did was just play competently. And then I thought, well, hang on. That's why people are raving. Because Everton don't really play competently. No, they've always... I, I remember, like... Yeah, absolutely. I remember um, somebody, somebody told me that... Um, um, uh, James that Rodriguez had created more chances than any Everton player had done in a match for two years and I was like looking up the stats going fuck me how many chances did he create fucking 8-9 like he's peak fucking Urzel shit he created 5 yeah and that puts him on the highest list for the last two years I was like that, like if you've got an attacking midfielder that Five is pretty much the average you're looking at. And but that's why, they, that's why they went like crazy signing so many number 10s was because yeah. all, that's always been their blind spot. But the problem is it. that and they've always signed the wrong players for, to do that role. The problem is that now they have a, a moderately well-functioning midfield and people are like, oh my God, this is what a midfield looks like? Holy shit, you know? It's, a, it's, like, it's like Arsenal fans when you, like our defence works and you're like, fuck me, this is what it's like not to concede like every second shot. I bet you're uh, so uncomfortable with the notion of actually having a clean sheet as well. It's like, what is this? What yeah, is, exactly. What it's, are you doing? Exactly the same way. Everton are just overjoyed with the notion of having a functional midfield. That actually exists. Like, you can you can watch the match and see it. It's you there. You watch actually, to it. Like. <laughs> it's winning the ball and progressing it forward. Holy fuck, you know? Mm. Um. Like uh, uh, Ancelotti, by the way, Ancelotti. Like I know, uh, I was surprised that. Well, I, I was kind of surprised that he went for Rodriguez, and then when I thought about it, I wasn't really because Ancelotti's always had a soft spot for him, particularly yeah. when uh, they first signed James at uh, Real, and they got him after the his Mercurial World Cup. Mm-hmm. And Ancelotti, they were like, I, I think. Rodriguez made a real big mistake there because he signed for a team that didn't have a space for him. Mm-hmm. So Ancelotti was just constantly trying to find room for him. And then they sacked Ancelotti. Everybody who came in after him, just no time for Rodriguez. Yeah. And Ancelotti just constantly, every single time, every single team he went to, funnily enough, similar to what um, Mourinho did with Spurs, 
um, every single team after he left the Premier League, he was constantly trying to sign Gareth Bale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, that's true. Um, now he's got him back. You know, um, how it works, isn't it? What do you make yeah. of this uh, Bale malarkey? Because like, let, let, I, I'm going to be honest. Like the Spurs team looked de- like dead to rights. Um, oh, holy shit! They were <clears throat> they were absolutely rolling hot garbage. In particular, when you consider like midweek, they had that horrible game against uh, Plovdiv. Plovdiv, yeah. Moscow, where they only barely won two one, and they still needed a full strength team to beat off some fucking seventh tier Bulgarian fucking. Outfit. It was so it, it was desperate, like, and that was a full that was a full strength team. Exactly, yeah. Games, I remember, you know. I remember looking at that. It's like it's a such thing as a humiliating victory. I think yeah, so. Because, yeah. because in essence, what happened was they like they they conceded a late goal, and then Plovdiv got two players sent off, and through that they got a penalty, and Ndombele scored the winner. Yeah, you know, like that's really how they won, and it's like that's that that is particularly bad. Well, in all fairness, one of the sending off was because of one of the players that actually literally handled saved the ball off the line. Yeah, that's how they got the penalty. Um, <laughs> it's like, and then the other one, the other guy got sent off for descent. Yeah, yeah, he got Harsh, a second yeah. second yellow for descent. But um, yeah, getting back to like Everton, Everton now have a, a team, like a team that actually functions. Mm. Um, a good thing, a good thing as well, like it pitted. From an Irish perspective, it was quite an interesting, interesting match, which is why I watched this one as well, because mm. it pitted um, Ireland captain Seamus Coleman, Ireland and Everton captain, sorry, Seamus Coleman, up against the man who usurped him in the Ireland team, mm. Matt Doherty. Very fascinating and, story there. Yeah, yeah, because Coleman had a great game. He had a fantastic game, because Everton have now played to his strengths. So all Coleman has to do now is pretty much progress, it's defend, obviously. Okay, yeah. And progress the ball forward and then pass it to Rodriguez. And then the team win. <laughs> Pretty much. Isn't it mad was... how sometimes if you make the right signings for the right positions, sometimes your team gets better. Sometimes it works, yeah. And now Everton are beginning to see it. It's like, holy shit, yeah. This, this, Only this took him seven fucking years. Only took him seven years. And similar, yeah. but in the kind of opposite side of vein, Doherty <laughs> has basically just been signed to be an entire right flag for Spurs because... Yeah. Mourinho wants to adopt that kind of the Pep Guardiola style of we're in this formation when we don't have the ball, we're in this formation when we do have the ball, the kind of thing. Mm. So when Spurs don't have the ball, they go to a 4-2-3-1, so they go to a back four. Yeah. So when Spurs don't have the ball, Doherty has to get back and be a nominal right back. But when Spurs do have the ball, he's to run, he's basically, he's to get on his bike and get all the way up the pitch because he's not just like a right winger or anything like yeah. that. He's actually kind of signed as a bit of a target man. So he's there for people to aim at. So he's like, feed the box. It's like, what is he going to do? He literally just, it reminded me of the poorly drawn Arsenal comic. They did um, a funny one of Ainsley Maitland-Niles. And like, it's Ainsley Maitland-Niles asking Arteta, he's like, boss, where am I playing? And Arteta goes, left. And Maitland-Niles goes, left what? And Arteta responds with, exactly. <laughs> no, but <laughs> the thing is, like, you know, Maitland Oz did that and it worked really well, whereas Matt yeah, Hardy's yeah. trying to be an entire right flank and it's not working at all. And then, right, because he went through the entire match getting absolutely pillared 
by the fucking commentators. I think like mm. Gary Neville were just they were just constantly at him going, "What the fuck? Why is he?" Well, they weren't saying that. I wish, but they were like, "Why is he so? Why is he so high up? Why is he so far up?" <laughs> like, mm. That's where Mourinho wants him when they yeah. when they're attacking when they're attacking with the ball. That's where that's where Mourinho wants his right back. Um, Do you know what so strikes me as? It strikes me as Mourinho trying to get down with the kids over this transitional play and change formations. It doesn't suit him. Like, just be a shit. It's all, you know you it's want also, to. Oh, Darty, I don't think is really. Darty's not really fully um, gotten to the fact that he's no longer a wing back. He's an entire right flank. Yes. Because at Wolves, like when his team were defending, he had three defenders in the home because they played with a back three. Mm-hmm. Whereas at Spurs, he only had two. And yeah. he's attacking when he was at Wolves when they were attacking, he had three attackers in front of him. Whereas with Spurs, he's meant to be almost a focal point. I mean, it was like, he's meant to be basically just Harry Kane, just on the inside right of Harry Kane. Which is so like, wrong. So it's so yeah, fucking wrong. Like, yeah. it's, there's no wonder he's not doing it. And then, of course, Mourinho did the typical Mourinho thing and threw him under the bus after the match. Yeah. Claiming I mean, that he wasn't fit. Couldn't play his game. I was like, okay. Come here. Like, <laughs> like I, I, I don't understand it like, because like they, they've just spent stupid money now on signing Bale and uh, Regulion, which, to be fair now, is a serious deal for Regulion, that's it. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's, that's going to be a really good deal. Good. It is a good deal. And especially considering they more or less sniped them under United's noses. So there's a lot more about United at the moment, to be fair. Um, oh, man. That, that United Twitter feeds... It's, you can actually it's, hear the piss boiling from here. <laughs> Welcome to Liverpool Twitter two weeks ago. Um, but here's the thing, though. Here's the thing with that, though. Like, granted, what you've what you've done there is you've made a you set up a, a solid left back that will start into your team very very well. A very offensive left back, which is great. The thing with that is that you've offset now Danny Rose, who's obviously fucking off to Genoa, it seems, and Ben Davis, who's apparently still there. Yeah, Danny Rose wasn't even given a award. No. No, not even that. So, like, like Mourinho has spitefully just decided to replace Danny Rose. And again, like, I, I'll yeah. say this quite, quite pointedly: you, do you, do you lads remember that you have Ryan Sessegnon in the team? Like, you actually made a big song and dance about <laughs> signing him three years, two years ago. He was like part of like Pochettino's legacy in a sense to to rejuvenate the club. And you nowhere near have used him effectively enough. Okay, he's had injuries. I understand that. But Christ, he's there. Like, use him for fuck's sake. And and Mourinho, by all accounts, wants to loan him out to the championship. Fuck me! Like, no, stop. Get yeah, he just came from the championship. It was because he was so good in the championship, which is why you fucking signed them. He was top scorer when he was left back. For fuck's sake! Like, he doesn't need to be in the championship. He's done. That that's finished. You you signed him. You cashed him in. You know. It, look, Mourinho does not know how what he's doing half the time, and like that's really kind of evident now. He looks to be making spiteful choices. Deli Ali potentially off to somewhere. I don't know who's going to fucking take him, but he's not. He wasn't in the squad for the Plovdiv game, and by all accounts, won't be in the state squad for the Southampton game. It's so yeah, fucking he, bizarre. That's the thing. Like he wasn't in the Plovdiv uh, squad at all, and he was subbed mm. off at halftime against Everton. Yeah. So he can't say, "Oh, he wasn't rested." I think you're finding you feel fairly fucking well, well quite, rested. Like. Quite well rested. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, Very exactly. much a case to watch the space for Spurs. Um, very much was the case because I think like again a lot of banter clubs this season Spurs very much been the highest very much so Um, but Um, I also think out of this like uh, Everton having spunked half a billion quid over four years (laughs) everything is finally coming up Millhouse 
coming up now, Hiles. Switching to the other side of North London, Neil, uh, let's talk yeah. about your 3-0 win against Scott Parker's Fulham. Great start to the season for you guys. Absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, no, I just, I just, just fantastic. Um, really, really great start to the season. Um, William, holy shit. Um, better than I think most people thought. Yeah, definitely. Um, certainly a whole lot better than I thought. And um, yeah, it's just three assists on a debut. <laughs> um, and really, really fun. Mm. Played kind of, it was freewheeling, but there was also a system to it. Yeah. There's a method to um, It was just so fantastic. You know, mm. man of the match. Um, unfortunately, man of the match award actually went to Gabriel Magales, um, which I've, I've no problem with either. Um, but he was, he just looks so fucked. Mm. Fast. Okay, he's like six foot four. He can jump like a salmon. Um, yeah. Is what how we got the goal straight from the corner. Boom! Who thought having a big six foot four centre half who can leap like a salmon in the opposition box might be handy for the set piece? That does Who'd seem quite good. Yeah, in fairness, to us all. But in any case. All right, then the connection wasn't too good because I kind of scuffed it in off his shoulder. But hey, do you really give a shit how they get them in to the fucking night? Fuck it, no. I don't care. You could have smacked it in with a dick. I didn't give a shit. That has happened um, before, in fairness. <laughs> but now it was brilliant. Um, we're sticking with the back three for now, um, despite everybody claiming that 4-3-3 is Arteta's beloved system. Mm. Um, so there's a, a heavy, not stink, but there's a heavy kind of smell off Arsenal that of if it ain't broke don't fix it yeah um, Holding came in Holding um, after Arteta completely shot the loan deal to Newcastle in the head mm. um, it was brilliant and you know <laughs> he really fucking he really demonstrated the channeling of all pe- of all players for Rob Holding to channel it's Thierry Henry with the ball juggling <laughs> That was fucking great. What did they call him? Rob Aldinho for a while. <laughs> great. Uh, but, you know, Rob Holding, he is better than Cannavaro, you know. Um, <laughs> but it was just fucking brilliant. Like, he had two players, like, sticking their foot in and he still managed to juggle the ball, win a corner that we scored, win the corner that Gabriel scored from. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just, I oh, wasn't just taking the piss, like, 3-0 in the 19th minute or something like that. No, we were... No. Yeah. yeah, like that, that's the thing. Like, Buckets, um, you know. Hmm. Well, what, what I was going to say there was that I found it very surprising how uh, Arteta welcomed a lot of the fringe players back into the fold. Um, not yeah, like, El Nani had a fucking great game. Yeah, and, and in a sense, like he actually looks like to suit that system quite well, where he's able to have that kind of like little bit of freedom, but also have the balance between attack and defense quite well. Um, which is surprising considering that you have the likes of Torreira and Jacka there who, like, in theory, are supposed to be better at that than Elneny, who's kind of perceived to be this sort of midfield runner, you know. But by all accounts, like, he seemed to actually do a better job of it. Yeah, no, um, just we were to a man quite brilliant. Mm. Fulham didn't play badly, I think. They, they um, started off often, well. Once like they conceded, they just kind of lost a bit of the fire, like. Mm. Um, they, they really did look when they considered that the last time we played them in the Premier League we beat them 5-0 yeah. um, so they, 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 yeah so they did seem a wee bit 
overwhelmed at some points, but they were actually, we were just, Arsenal were just brilliant. We were really, yeah. really fucking good. And we kept them at bay. And in particular, when Mitrovic came on, because in the past I've seen us falter when players like Mitrovic come on. Yeah. Um, but we kept them at bay. It was, it was actually quite good. It was really, really fucking good to see. And Aubameyang's goal, again, oh, holy shit. It was so fucking good. And it was a near carbon copy. Like the amount of Twitter videos that got sent showing it and the goal he scored in the FA Cup final. Mm. Um, Very similar, oh no, right, the yeah. Community Shield. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it really is like a total carbon copy. And the team, it, that gets into the, that shows you how Arteta's got the team playing to really them. And everybody yeah. kind of knowing it. Really fucking good. Yeah. Really, really fucking good. I yeah. couldn't, I'm, I'm just looking forward. It, if we keep this up, and if West Ham keep it up, it's going to be a cricket score tomorrow. So, yeah, well, we'll can only hope, because again, any, any misfortune against West Ham makes for great, great podcast content. Actually, it'll be, it'll be this time tomorrow, because unbelievably, our game tomorrow against West Ham is at 8 o'clock. Oh, nice. Primetime TV. Get the popcorn out, lads. It'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> It's far past, that's far beyond Monday your, night your, football. <laughs> that's far Monday beyond your bedtime, football. Neil. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to get the highlights in the morning. <laughs> mm. um, so yes, the last match we're going to talk about then is, uh, well, we couldn't fucking end up anything else. Uh, Liverpool 4, Leeds 3. Fuck me. Just fuck me. Like, what I, a fucking game. Unbelievable. Like, I, I, <laughs> I was streaming Simpsons Hit and Run at the time and immediately as I was talking to Paul... As we're about to kick off, about to kick off of the stream, I'm there trying to get the high, finish off the first half of the match, and they're going like, "I picked the wrong fucking day to stream, lads. This is, this match is so much more fun than I could have given it credit for." But the fact was that like, once the once the whistle blew, it literally just was hell for leather for about 60, 70 minutes. There was absolutely relentless fucking intensity from both teams, and it was great to see. Granted, like. Both defences were really, really bad, but in their defence, in their defence, both defences. I mean, um, mm. lots have been made of Reiking going off on Van Dyke, just going like, "What the fuck?" Like, yeah, they walked away with three points, but only because of Salah. Um, he mm. can't, he can't really do that. Um, Salah racking up the first uh, debut, well, the first first match at Liverpool player since John Aldridge. Yeah, it's actually it's yeah. actually the first ever hat trick in the Premier League on on the starting day. Yeah, so yeah, John John Aldridge was, was the last person to do that. But um, but yeah, it's it like the criticism for Van Dijk is fairly well justified because like in comparison to what he was like in in the last few uh, games, he hasn't been great. Um, but I think there's a, there's a few reasons for that. I think a lot of people are starting to target Van Dijk now a bit where they're kind of like sitting on a shoulder and they're kind of like, they, they know that there's a little bit of a, a little bit of a delay between him and Gomez when it comes to their partnership. Like Gomez is very good at clearing the ball, while Van Dijk rather, would rather marshal it and keep possession. Um, and Matip's the same way as well. So like, depending on who's private partners, Van Dijk, people mark those two differently. Uh, the Bamford goal was actually very clever from Bamford and I don't, I don't think Burkwatt's around for me to say that, so that's good. Um, <laughs> but, but the thing is, like, Bamford actually played it really, really smartly, where he basically stayed on, like, Van Dijk's blind side. And when Van Dijk didn't get the call from Allison to, to receive the ball, he tried to pass to Trent, didn't see Bamford, and pickpocketed him, basically. Um, 
if Bamford does that stuff like that, he could probably pick up a few goals in the in the league this season. I don't think he will. Um, I think at, at, at the first sign of danger, well, he, he needs to work in his uh, decision making because he. Yeah, he hmm. needs to work in his decision making because he he could have had two. He should he, he should have had two. He should have had two. And when like, he rounded Allison. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! Yeah, terrible. But yeah, like I, that, was, I was I was gobsmacked. <laughs> it was again. It was just that kind of game, really, wasn't it? Um, where you just had shit like that happen. And curiously enough, like uh, like Leeds kind of gave as good as they could get with with Liverpool. Like they did matches B for B for intensity and, and pressing, and just the passing was so fucking good. Like um, I was really impressed with Calvin Phillips. Now I rated him quite well, uh, even when he was at the Championship. But to see him in the Premier League and not like not missing a beat, um, he's very reminiscent of Henderson. That's why I quite like him. I like how he plays. He's very similar to how Hendo lines up for us. And if anything happens to Hendo, I'd love to see Calvin Phillips in the Liverpool squad. I think he's a great fit. But um, but his range of passing is sublime. Like it really is underrated when it comes to England midfielders, um, which I'll get onto later on. But the the great thing about it is that like Leeds really do have a way of doing things, which is to hit hard and fast like fucking Brannigan's law. And it worked against Liverpool because Liverpool team were expecting this kind of intricate footballing porn that we, we know Bielsa for. And Bielsa just went, no, fuck it. Pass, 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 goal. Done. You know, kind of way. And in a way, Liverpool did eventually get there, but that's probably because Leeds had a very soft defence. Like Robin Cock did not have a great start to, the, to his league career. He conceding a penalty, then got turned by, uh, by uh, sorry, Miss Van Dijk uh, as his marker and then got, I think Rodrigo then conceded the penalty. So, the second penalty. So, like, yeah, not a great start, but, like, there's plenty of signs there to say that Leeds are going to have a lovely fucking time in this league. Absolutely. So, um, they'll definitely point to the fact that, like, they put three past Liverpool and Liverpool needed two penalties to yeah. get four past them. They'll, de- I reckon they'll, like, they'll hunt for that silver lining. No, I think no, no, so. I, yeah, I reckon so. I mean, like, they made mistakes, and I think even Bielsa said afterwards, "Like, look, this is the Premier League. You make a mistake, you're going to concede a goal. It's yeah. it's not like in the Championship where you might get a sort of get away. Like, no, you know, you you fuck up against like Mo Salah, he's going to put the ball in the fucking net. As yeah. um, Click <laughs> found out when he he headed across from mm. Robertson back across his own goal, thinking, oh yeah, like, you can get away with that in the Championship, but didn't because the cross went to fucking to Salah yeah. and he absolutely milled it top corner I think it's also proven as well that like um, I, I think this like this this result is a lot more seminal than people think because uh, like a lot of a lot of teams are now got wise to how you can try and nullify a Liverpool team now granted the Salah being on a on a mad one really did help us out but I think what really helped us out more was the fact that we were playing Keita in the midfield and we started to direct the play a lot more centrally Granted, because like Leeds play very wide football as well, that was an, an easy opportunity for us to get at them. But now, like that's got, we're going to see a lot more of that because of signing Thiago and uh, and very much now like we acknowledging that yes, we can now rotate the midfield better by having not necessarily having Wijnaldum start each game. Fabinho is not guaranteed to start either. It is going to be a, a horses for courses type midfield. And the fact is that if we ever do need to play centrally against teams that like to low block us and, and try and like match us for width we now have a Thiago or Keita to do that or Minamino or Curtis Jones all these players can, that can do this quite well so I'm fascinated to see like obviously I, I find it interesting that we signed them now 
as opposed to like last week or week before, because I think the the intention is to perhaps get at the teams like Arsenal, who like who have who have seen who we, we have seen already have an answer to the Liverpool system, you know. Uh, so I'm I'm intrigued to see how that'll go in two weeks' time. I, I don't think he's in the squad for for Chelsea. I think that's too soon. But I think we we we, we might be okay for Chelsea. I'll see. I'm kind of fifty fifty on it, depending on how our defense goes. Well, we'll see. But um, on the basis of this um game, which I, I reckon is only just one, which I recognise is only just one game right at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. I reckon my predictions for the league are still kind of. They're still pretty good. They're still pretty good. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think yeah. Leeds aren't going to struggle. I don't think so. I think I think they're going to be well at home. Like this is in theory the toughest challenge you could get, which was the challenge the, prim, the the league winners at home, uh, at full in full with full beans essentially, uh, yeah. and they matched them. They matched them like blow for blow practically. They could have easily won that match, uh, and in a way perhaps they may, may, may they could have they should have in that sense. Um, yeah. But they got Fulham next. Like they're not going to have any trouble with that. Like they'll 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 hopefully win that match and show, like start winning night games again. If they go on a run, like you'll see Leeds in the top half easy, and they won't come out of it fairly quickly. Um, yeah, it'll be great. It's gonna yeah. be it's gonna be fun. It is gonna be fun. It is indeed. Uh, so that's it. That's our Premier League rundown done for the moment. Uh, we're gonna we have our hand of carved uh, coming up uh, to end our show. Before we do that, though, we are going to talk a little bit about the WSL which uh, we had Burkbot intending to come on to talk at length about. But unfortunately, uh, as I said, we couldn't, couldn't make it tonight. So don't worry. We have contingency plans, uh, as we always do on this Liquid Football podcast. You know, we wouldn't leave you in the, in the slide like that. So Burkbot. Uh, the Burkbot bot. The Burkbot bot is back. The soundboard is returned for one more uh, go. So Burkbot, please tell me, what do you think of the WSL? So the last two weeks of the FAWSL have been pretty much a gold fest with uh, teams at the top of the table, the expected top of the table teams, kind of showing what they got. You've got two nine-goal wins, uh, a nine-one win for Arsenal versus West Ham. Jimmy Flaherty got sent off at uh, one all. Um, or at 2-1 because she was dissenting against the uh, award of Beth Mead for the second goal. She, she was offside. Jane Faherty had already been booked for dissent and then um, ran up to the ref and got herself sent off. And West Ham completely capitulated. And um, yeah, Arsenal went on a riot and scored 9-1 with Jill Rue getting a hat-trick. Yeah, so like a lot of made, a lot of been made about these uh, kind of like crazy scorelines kind of coming back to the WSL a bit, um, because I think there was, there has been a kind of a bit of a fear that like it's a three it's a it's a league of three teams that being City Arsenal and Ars- uh, City Arsenal and Chelsea, and um, I suppose is this the right time to kind of talk about the the massive influx of talent now in the WSL, uh, mainly from America, and um, because you mentioned it kind of in 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 spades a little bit in the last few shows but to see like a lot of the massive players from America in now is a is a pretty big deal for the league sort of um, but what I don't see the thing the the WSL's issue is now is now that they've got these players over here they need mm-hmm. to keep them there see because the last thing the WSL wants to be is a kind of holiday league mm-hmm. you know they need to sign these players to to actual like length contracts keep them here get them indoctrinated get them in like um you know i mean like spores have 
fucking Spurs of Alex Morgan, for Christ's sake. Um, but you'd argue so, yeah, that, is, that is just a case of getting her fitness back after having the baby. You know, you can make that argument. Exactly. It's not, it's not going to be a long-term like, fixture, and that's perhaps fair enough, because like, it's Alex, Alex Morgan. It's, You've got to take that deal in your way. It's, it's fair enough, but it's only fair enough in the short term. You mm-hmm. don't want to keep happening. You need to get the, like a real coup is getting these players there for years. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's it. Um, but yeah, look, it, it, it at least makes it interesting. I think it's it's it is at least a, a sign that like there is they, they haven't gone to Germany or France or anywhere like that. So it is at least a sign that like this something brewing in the WSL. But I think it could be the case that these teams have a lot more money now as well, uh, especially Chelsea and City, who like seem to think like they've got they have obviously got a footing in women's football and they see a chance of like winning Champions Leagues and league trophies as well. Um, how would you assess Arsenal this season? Because uh, by all accounts, like it's still a very small squad, but you have like got one or two decent signings in the, in the bag uh, for the team. Uh, yeah, no, um, it, it's been brilliant. Uh, Roar seems to have really come into her own. She seems to have gotten a taste for hat-tricks. Um, Always good. You know, it's, it's it's not every day when you steamroller another team nine nil and you've outscored Vivian Miedema. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Actually, it's it's not every day that anybody scores outscores that woman at all. Yeah, it's, um, it's hard to outsulk her at this stage, even. Uh, pretty much, but no, the team's clicking. Montemoro knows what he's doing, and he just he's only bolstering. He's really only adding on really fine touches now to this team. He's not going to blow it out. Um, and no, no, I, I, I like. I would prefer two or three more players, and I think he would too. But it depends on those two players. Like he's not going to. There's no bloat to this team. It's just mm-hmm. pure leanness all the way through. And I think that's what he's aiming for. He's not. He's aiming for players that he can rely on for years on end, not yeah. just some fucking blow in from the Americans. And I actually admire that in fairness because in a sense like you've actually gone and gone the opposite to a lot of other clubs where you've actually looked at the Australian leagues and the Australian teams with Roard and uh, Steph Catley who I think is like a very tidy signing in her own own sense like again one of the best left backs in women's football you can't really go wrong with that and I I, I do like how the fact that like he did say okay these are actual contracts we've got these players for, for a set amount of time. And again, it's 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 what you guys have been doing the last few years, where like you haven't necessarily overhauled a team or bought squad debt. You've just bought in one or two in additions that makes a team better in certain ways, or makes a team different, perhaps. Um, and that's good. Like it's like Matamoro has always had that style of like small squad, keeping close knit, and just fine tune every season. Absolutely. Yeah, we're going Australian because Matamoro is kind of experienced with all these players. Yeah. Um, so Tanny just he, he he sees a gap in the team. He knows somebody who can fill that gap, and they're going to come mm-hmm. to Arsenal. Um, you know, and also because it's all the way in Australia, nobody's looking at them. Everybody's looking towards mm-hmm. America because seemingly the entire double World Cup winning team are like, hey, anybody want to pay us some cash to go play football? And everybody's yes. like, fuck yes, <laughs> yes, we know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> So does fucking everybody, you know? So exactly. That's it. Yeah. So let's continue on with Burkbot's uh, recap of the WSL there. Okay. Week two of the FA WSL saw Chelsea then go up against Bristol. Uh, they had gotten an 11-1 problem last year against Arsenal, but uh, this year it was Chelsea's turn to get run riot. 
with nine different goal scorers, which is just frankly shockingly scary for the league. Um, like Sophie Bagley in goal, like you think after conceding nine goals, she would be like having a bad match, but she actually there's twenty seven goals, and I think out the, or twenty seven shots, and out of the twenty seven shots, the ones that she didn't get to were goals. So like it was just ridiculous. Um, it just shows the gulf between the teams. Manchester United on the first week got a draw against Chelsea, which kind of shook them a bit. And I think then they came back with a vengeance in week two against Bristol. Yeah, so it's kind of jocking back on the point we were making there about how like it is very much like a league of have and have nots at the minute. Uh, Bristol are almost certainly the have nots and will be, by all accounts, favourites to go down, unless Reading has something to say about it. But um. But even still, like it's it's curious about how like the how those type of teams are going to go because like there are some quite nice teams in the league like West Ham and Brighton, but they can't really hold a candle to the likes of the top three. So it's a it's a curious mix of like very established contenders, very established mid table, and then definite relegators. You know, it's, it's odd. Yeah, it, it, but in all fairness, that's just it's how the league is panning out now with the the way the money is going because. There's a bit more money sloshing around at the top clubs and it's creating this huge disparity. Like, mm-hmm. in all fairness, there's no reason why the West Ham women's team can't, can't be better than it is now. You know, just need the owners to put a bit more money. I mean, like, they're pumping huge amounts of cash into the men's team and getting absolutely fucking nowhere. Yeah, very you know, true. just buying fucking donkey after donkey. You might as well set up a fucking glue factory. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the end game for the West Ham Stadium, in fairness. Like, that is entirely possible. It's pretty much, yeah. Or they're like, the men's team are going to get relegated with that huge white elephant of a fucking stadium, like, around mm. their neck. And it's going like, to be ridiculous. It's going to be like, it is definitely another Sunderland. Yeah. Um, but, like, their women's team, much like the same thing with Sunderland. Their women's team is actually re- doing really fucking well, like mm. with a bit of investment, and it wouldn't be a huge amount. They're not fucking like all these other teams. They aren't spending huge amounts of cash. That's yeah. the thing about it. Like people think, oh, they're they're absolutely fucking spunking billions. They're not. They're just spending money, and they're getting in good players. Mm. That's just it. Yeah, a lot the, of people the forget like that the other teams aren't just spending any money. So yeah, they're yeah. getting in any players unless they can bring them up and sure fucking how often does that happen exactly like I, I think a lot of people forget like that the, the gulf of like wealth in both the men's and women's teams like we're not talking millions here we're talking like hundreds of thousands hundreds and thousands that's it like it's, yeah, it's not that the, much harder was selling for 300 grand yeah and like that was by far like the the, the marquee signing in, in years like she, the, yeah she's arguably one of the best player female players on the planet yeah 300 exactly. grand you that's know it. What was how how much was Sam was 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 uh, Sam Kerr like you know not that much either like it was around Fuck, like saying no, no, fifty two hundred thousand. If Pernell Harder was three hundred k, Sam Kerr wasn't. Even if she was more, mm. I suppose maybe because Kerr was literally the best was actually voted the best women's player at the time when she at was the time, yeah. so she may have gone for maybe I don't know maybe 350 maybe that's exactly that's literally the increments we're talking about here so yeah, it, when you say it's a case of have and have not oh no the, the lower team is West Ham definitely have they're just not doing anything with it yeah precisely um, I suppose from a Liverpool point of view at the women's side uh we're in the kind of women's championship uh, this season. We've done okay, in fairness. We've had the two match days we've had. We grew against Durham one all. 
which we really should have won in fairness. We were, we were leading for most of it. Um, and then we beat uh, uh, London Bees uh, 2-0, which is a fucking great result for us. Was it 2-0, 3-0? I can't remember. 2-0, I think it was. Uh, great result for us. Away from home as well. So mass, a big fucking deal that was because uh, London Bees are, are, are one of the more prominent teams in, the, in that league. Um, it's a very competitive league in fairness, but I, I, I fancy us to get, go back up there because I think a lot of the issues we had last season were not the women's fault team. It was the fact that like, there was just neglect, full stop. And it seems that perhaps there's a bit of recovery happening. The same team is perhaps together. Babajibe is doing serious fucking bits for us at the minute. She's very much driving the team forward. Uh, Rachel Furness, uh, really starting to get prolific now, goal scoring wise. So there's a very good combination there. And the rest of the team are just starting to follow suit a bit. So it's good. It's, it's, there's, there's definitely gr- uh, green uh, sprouts there. I think it's just a matter of like, whatever kind of issues we had last season with like the pitch and the club generally not giving the, the women's team what they need. Remedy that this season and the, the club is back in the WSL where it belongs. Uh, certainly from a, from a squad point of view, we're looking good. It's just a matter of putting it all together um, like we didn't do last season. So um, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful we're back, we can get back to the big time next season and then start like taking this shit seriously because I think Nike really want to start taking this shit seriously because it's kind of one of their <laughs> things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so yes, uh, with that in mind, so we, we are going to, we were meant to do a bit more of a deeper dive into WSL, but we'll do it next week, hopefully, uh, if Burkbot's around so we can get a more of a, a defined look at it. Uh, but for now, Neil, it's time to end to our end on our favourite segment, <laughs> which is the Hand of Cards. So let's do it. <laughs> I'm never going to make a stick of this jingle. By far, one of the best things I've ever made for this channel. <laughs> Lame. <laughs> Fuck you. It's brilliant. You know it is. You just don't want to Lame it than a day old giraffe. <laughs> Love So anyway, uh, if you're not familiar with the Hand of Cod segment, uh, every, well, month at this stage, because we're going to rotate some of our segments over the, over the next few podcasts, uh, we're going to submit something that's got on our wick over the last while and talk about it, and, and one of us will, uh, will nominate it as the, as the most annoying thing over the last few weeks. So, um, Neil, I understand you bought yourself a little book. Have. Um, I've not fully read it yet, so it might be on next week's uh, Ooh, or the week after Hand of Cod. Mm-hmm. But I did. I bought Champagne Football, which is the full in-depth story of the FAI under John Delaney. Oh, God. And <laughs> it is fucking crazy. Um, <laughs> what is your opinion on bunnies? <laughs> <laughs> right, well, here, here's the thing, right? It starts off with an account of his birthday party. Mm-hmm. which was billed to the FAI, it costs, the, the, he said that it costs 50 grand. Oh no, so he said that it cost 60 grand. Mm-hmm. But it didn't, it cost 80. Jesus. Um, he had a gigantic ice sculpture, it was his 50th, so he had a gigantic ice sculpture. It was James Bond themed. Um, so he was um, 0050. Fucking and uh, so he did gigantic, I mean gigantic, like there's a picture in the book of it, 
of the ice sculpture, which is the ice sculpture of uh, James Bond's gun, the Walter PPK. Yeah. So yeah, that's it. That that, that was okay. one of it. And, Lethal um, amounts of cringe. Oh yeah. So it, as it turns out then afterwards, because there was a, a huge, uh, what's known as the chorus uh, report, which was an investigation um, by um, basically Sport Ireland, mm-hmm. who were the funding kind of, they're the people with their hands in the purse strings. Um, basically it was just a, an investigation to what the fuck was going on in the FAI. And um, so, yeah, so they found out that his birthday party actually cost 80 grand. Mm-hmm. Um, but he repaid, uh, it must be said that John Blaney did repay the FAI to the tune of 50 grand. So him. they Put absorbed, on, yeah. Uh, yeah, they absorbed 30,000 euros uh, towards it. Basically, it, the whole thing, I'm, I'm at the point now where it's been revealed that like he, he has basically cost the FAI, in, in addition to his 360,000 euros a year salary um he cost them about 980 grand mm. on his expenses account so that's insane yeah so and how much do you win for the league of ireland 100,000 yeah it's about 100 grand yeah yeah so um yeah he's just it, it's getting it like the amount of detail in the book is unbelievable like i'll heartily like I might, we might do a deep dive in one of our future podcasts or something like I'd that. I'd like that, yeah, that'd be good, yeah. But it, it's just, it's fucking insane. Like, at some point, like, you're reading board meeting, like, board meeting minutes. Minutes, yeah. And they're reading, like, something out of fucking, like, a, like, a, a Sky Atlantic, like, financial fucking crime wolf. show. Like, Boardwalk it, Empire, like. <laughs> exactly. It's fucking crazy. Like, it's absolutely mental. Um, so, yeah, like, it's just mad. So, he would be my card. But it's not. My card is Damien Delaney. Damien the Delaney? Palace defender. Oh, I know what this is about. His uh, tea party. Yes, his yes. fucking tea party. Oh my day. Yeah, it went viral there. Damien Delaney has some odd dinner guests. <laughs> to say the fucking Odd week. ideas for dinner guests. And by the way, what's funny about this is that this was actually published in their like the match day program. So this wasn't like something he Hmm. banged out in a tweet or something like that they actually printed this up and sent this out to people people paid money for this shit so basically Crystal Palace had a kind of thing where they had a kind of imaginary come down with me for all other Crystal Palace players where they could pick five dinner guests from hmm. any period in time alive or dead whatever the fuck no judgement <laughs> <laughs> so Damien Delaney so he starts off kind of low key with Keith Richards and I was like yeah. okay then fine not, Mark, yeah. not my cup of tea. I'm not, I'm not a Stones fan, but I, I get it. I understand. He'd have some deadly drinking and drugging stories. I'd probably, you, you definitely would like to go for a pint with the guy. Nice stories to tell. Yeah. So then he ups the ante after Keith Richards with Joseph Stalin. Again, nice stories to tell about who he killed it's his like own son. Gated, grad, as it turns out, David the lady is mad hardcore into Russian history. He then no, further I, I wouldn't have got that from Damien Delaney, to be honest. <laughs> he further ups it with Chairman Mao. <laughs> Alright, I'm sensing a theme here that Three Genghis communist Khan. stalwarts Genghis Khan is Yeah, another, one another communist stalwart And yeah. he admires the fact that he, he came from Like nowhere and a, a nobody boy In a little village to become one of Impregnating the half of Asia Okay, fair <laughs> enough, yeah And you see where Delaney's efforts are going here about, about, What was the fuck? What was the final one? Shit was oh, it, Napoleon was Bonaparte Napoleon Bonaparte, yeah his, <laughs> Because again, like he he he's bringing the entertainment. Like he's bringing the story. I don't know, like, like, what the fuck is Keith Richards going to be talking about in that fucking conversation? 
So um, anyone else actually win a war? Anyone? Oh, no? Just bad. me then. Just me. Just, I, I won a war. Just, it was just so crazy. I was like, look, as much as I admire footballers for having kind of interests and not just being just footballers, mm. but I just found that just so fucking hilarious. I was like, you fucking wait. It's almost as if like you just went on, you went into Google Typed in famous <laughs> historical figures. Interesting people. <laughs> I'll look at that now for the crack. Hang on. What's the first like Google search for interesting people? This is oh, I'm sorry. That actually apparently killed my internet doing a Google search. Okay, fuck you then. Um, um, 15 interesting people that history somehow forgot. And they're pretty sure people know about uh, Bonaparte and Genghis Khan. Um, okay, we've got Marilyn Monroe, Nelson Mandela, John, uh, John Martin Luther King, um, Pele. Okay, so, you know, fair to say Damien's gone left field with his selections. So. I would have thought the name would have picked a fucking footballer. Or a I woman. so, but here we are. <laughs> it's weird. Um, yeah. That was a weird one. I heard that story myself and I thought like, weird. Perhaps it's best not to know about the inner lives of footballers. You don't want to know, do we really want to know what David Delaney's dinner party is? You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's not, not really a, you know. I'm not going to lose sleep over it, that it, just, uh, it just, I just thought it was just fucking crazy. It, just, <laughs> it sounded just so hilariously made up. I was like, no, mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah, that's a fact or fiction fucking story, isn't it? Like, <laughs> Um, let's hear let's hear what Burpa has to say. Unfortunately, obviously she can't be here to explain this fully, but she has submitted a card for this week, so let's see what she thinks. I was gonna go with the FAWSL standard of refereeing because it's just gash and Philippe Lafferty got sent off for West Ham for complaining to the ref on two occasions, so she got two yellow cards for the center, which is so stupid as a captain. But yeah, uh, the standard refereeing is just so bad. Like they miss so many offsides, um, rash challenges that go uncarded, um, just things like that that they just haven't caught up to the standard of the players and the standard of the league. So um, I just think they're all cods because they should be improving with the amount of star players coming into the league now. There has to be a gold standard of refereeing seen across the league but so far the first two rounds of this there hasn't been yeah like I'll be honest like I've, I've kind of seen that myself and from some of the women's games I've attended with the Ireland team like even these are the UEFA licensed officials and they are very very average um, they, they, they it's not a sign the women's game as such but I think it's just the, the level of officiating sometimes and like uh, I know we're, we're very biased here, but Ireland gets fuck off from these officials sometimes. And it's just the case was like, that was clearly offside. That was clearly a foul. There was clearly a foul, a, a foul throw and you missed it. Or, uh, you know, it's, it's simple things like that. It's very annoying. It is. It, yeah, no, it's, it is terrible. It's terrible across the board as well. Like, you know, mm-hmm. they go into some of the fucking decisions we've seen in the men's game. Like, Oh, yeah. Like, that's not terrible. It's not, it's not exclusive yeah, like, to the women's the, game at all. Really no, amazing. no, no. But in the women's game, it's definitely far more pronounced because they're making like these huge, egregious errors, and you're just sitting mm-hmm. there going, like, "Lads, if you want to maintain any type of any kind of semblance of professionalism, you're gonna to have to get the officiating up to scratch." Totally. Yeah. That's been everyone's kind of main observations. Is like, this is why people like 
barrage, like banter off women's football because stuff like this. You have to set that standard. Now, granted, there are some fantastic women referees, but they're few and far between. And I think the standard will get better. I think it's the fact that, like, it's just, as, as Burkwell was saying there in her little piece there, it just hasn't kept up with the standard that's, that's kind of in, rapidly increasing now. Um, perhaps it will, but I think, like, it's, it's a slow process and it's very noticeable at the moment because, as we said, like, it just happens so much faster than people expect it. Um, my card, then, um, <laughs> is a curious one because, again, as an, as an Irishman, I really shouldn't care about the English national team this much. But I'd like, to, I'd like to have a conversation about Gareth Southgate. And as much as I can about a glass of water. Um, but I think it's about time that we have a little ta- chat to Gareth Southgate and explain to him he's not really good at his job. You know, kind of way. Now, Grant, he, he's got, he got a lot of goodwill during the World Cup because I think people genuinely like the guy. Like, he is doing seem like a very like, like nice person, a nice bloke. Well, yeah, but everybody. I think everybody has that about them, you know. Mm. Like again, like I got a good will. Got to semi-finals by like the path of least resistance. I think it's fair to say. Uh, wore lovely waistcoats from MS, so everyone loved him. Everyone loved the yeah. fact his wife was there and all this, all this lovely. Oh, it's all lovely. They're all cute and all this stuff. He's fucking terrible as a football coach. <laughs> That's the problem. Um, again, no, nothing personal. I like the guy. Per, I like the guy as an individual. I think his politics are very nice as well. He's doing things the right way, nice and moral, ethical, all this shit. But footballing sense, he's atrocious. And um, I looked at the way they played against Iceland, and it is generally the most horrendous football you've seen all year. Um, the way he set up against them is so baffling because uh, I always think his like his squad selections are very odd. Uh, and granted, perhaps he's trying to like work work within clubs and trying to like not overuse players that much. But the players he's overusing then are the likes of Joe Gomez or Trent or Eric Dyer. How on earth you can overuse Eric Dyer is beyond me because I think personally the player is not international standards. Um, he also has this weird thing where like he will pick and choose what like clubs to take players from. So like. Uh, for instance, for the longest time, he didn't pick Jack Grealish, but he was happy to pick James Madison. Uh, or he was able to happy to pick Deli Alli, who at the time, Deli Alli was nowhere near as like captivating a footballer as he was four or five years ago. The standard is gone. Like he, He's just a, a squad player by all accounts. Uh, yet he still gets in the England squad. Uh, likewise with Eric Dyer, when you have players like, uh, fucking, like Declan Rice, who are so much better in that role. And now Calvin Phillips is now in the Premier League, so you can justifiably say he's in a squad because he's good enough. Um, to, 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 line up a, to line up a team against Iceland with, four center back, with three centre-backs, two wing-backs, and two holding defenders, which is essentially a back seven, is ludicrous. <laughs> is absolutely ludicrous. Like, I'm, I'm going to call it the squad here because it's, it's, it's baffling to me that this is how it turned out. Because um, I'm... Because I, 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 I couldn't believe it. Like, I'm looking at it. Like, the, like for the... For the wealth... They, they're spoiled when it comes to, like, attacking prowess now in England. And yet he's still holding... He's trying to have such a pragmatic lineup and unit. It just does not make sense at all. Um, and in a sense, they were actually quite lucky to have won it. Okay, so here's the team that, like, that went out to face Iceland, right? You've got Jordan Pickford in goal... Okay, granted, you had Henderson in the in the squad, but really, this is the kind of like this is the kind of match to put Henderson or Pope in. I'm still massively disagreeing on on Pickford being number one. He's nowhere near number one for England. 
uh, so his team was actually in essence a five-three-two. Okay, so you had uh, Trippier and Walker as your fullbacks. Fair enough, experience. I, I wouldn't like. I'm not going to be overly critical of it. Uh, and then the back three was Joe Gomez, Eric Dyer, and Declan Rice. Jesus fucking Christ! First of all, um, and then you had a midfield tree then of Ward Prowse. Uh, Phil Foden and Jaden Sancho in theory quite good but the problem is that where they actually are positionally because Sancho was playing a bit more cent- was centrally when Sancho is all 100% a wide player and Foden was not sure where he was playing either he was kind of playing in a channel and wasn't really going anywhere with it um, Raheem Sterling then was kind of serving as a second striker to Harry Kane which in theory works but not for Sterling Sterling is not that type of player you know he's, an, he's a wide player so having them kind of like try and play inside doesn't work for them. Sterling is a very much like that kind of person who cuts inside late on the field and then gets his goals that way, tries to tap them in and still somehow fucking misses them. Um, so I'm looking at that thinking like, there's so much, there's such a better team you can make out of this. And okay, I understand like, uh, it's probably not the best, in, best indicator because a lot of those players, like uh, the likes of the United players were unavailable. Uh, the Chelsea players were unavailable. Most of the Liverpool squad was unavailable as well perhaps not the best signs, but even then, the actual philosophy of the team is completely off for the squad, squad they have. You've got this like ridiculous wealth of attacking talent, both in fullbacks and in strikers, and now you've got this kind of this current flush of number 10s like Foden and Grealish and Madison. Fucking use them. Stop this obsession with defensive midfielders. Stop this obsession with, pump, with pumping in centre-backs who are really, really average like, can you really arguably say that, like, okay, Joe Gomez is doing quite good uh, at Liverpool and you'd pair him with Harry Maguire. Other centre-backs are available. You know, like, they do exist. You've got Connor Cody. You've got James Tarkowski, who he point-blank refuses to select. Um, and I, and even from other teams, you've got Rob Holding, who I think is, is really coming into his own at Arsenal. Not selected. Michael Keane somehow still gets into the cup when I think he's had an atrocious time at Everton. Uh, but then again, Pickford's there as well. So ultimately, that does seems to mean sod all when it comes to design choice, with design of the of the team. Uh, I just think like the England team, like they're they're shooting themselves in the foot with a lineup like this because this is not how you're going to win the Euros. They're like you see teams like France who are using who are deploying their teams in the right way because they are complementing the skills and talent that they have. The midfield that they have is, is fantastic because you've got Pogba, Kante and a choice of fucking number 10s like Auer or Fekir if he's fit or anyone else. Like I'm like forgetting French number 10s but there's tons of them. You don't, it doesn't actually matter who you pick. You've got fucking tons of them. Just pick one, you know. Yeah, and like and a front three of your choice. You, have a, you, have, you can pick them between fucking Griezmann, Mbappe and rakes of other wingers. You know, like where you can have like a Thovan jump in or you can have fucking or someone else jump in afterwards. Dembele is another one. These teams are using their your players to their advantage and they're they're making it work. Whereas with England it's the opposite way around where they're trying to have this weird England DNA setup where like this is the way English team plays and English team must have seven defenders. You must break us down. Hard borders. Like fuck off. Use the players you have. Make it work. That's what having a national team selection is about. It's not the other way around. Exactly. I mean, it just goes too defensively. Just, it's just so afraid of losing. 
Yeah, that's what it is. It's an actual fear of losing, I think. And like against Iceland, who like they're not the team they were in the Euros last, like a couple of when they ever, when they shocked everybody. You know, like they have lost a lot of that gumption. Well, Kofi Sigurdsson has lost that gumption, and he was mostly a one man team. So it it doesn't work that way, you know. Sure. Yeah. You know. So anyway, um, what is your uh, choice then, Neil? Um, I'll go to FAWSL. Okay, that's a good shout. I was um, I was fascinated with the Damien Delaney story. I'll be honest. <laughs> I, I have to go with that. Like that's just that's just exceptional. Um, Absolutely, it's really really good. Um, so yeah, we'll, 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 we'll add in post what Bert Bot picked. Uh, I don't think it really matters at this point. It's probably going to be a draw, so yeah. we'll just leave it at that. And um, that's our show, guys. We've we've, mm-hmm. we've, uh, we, we've got covered everything we needed to do. Next week we'll have such fun things to talk about, like Arsenal West Ham. Uh, the Manchester clubs coming back into the league and then whatever happens in Liverpool, Chelsea. So that's all to come. Amen, Reverend. Indeed. So uh, that is it for now. Uh, give us a follow on at Monday Madness LP for uh, more updates on the football, liquid football podcast. Smash the like and subscribe, lads. It would be greatly appreciated if you could do that. Um, we'd very much love to see it. And uh, by all means, follow us on Spotify for more of our podcasts, including Jellyfoot Donut and everything else that we're putting up, up online. Uh, perhaps you're watching this on the Nerds of Us channel if so give us a subscription and uh, we'll see you next week for the next podcast but until then guys I've been Jonathan that's been Neil Burtbot has been there remotely except her soundboard is broken uh, trust us in that one uh, <laughs> we'll see you next time on the Liquid Football Podcast until then take care stay safe stay safe wash your hands stay yes. in school <laughs>